Happy Campers, how's it hanging? Spike, Chris, and we are geeking out. And hey, we're actually back two weeks in a row, Christopher. Who would imagine that, huh? <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> We've got stuff to talk about. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about for once. Of course, we haven't been, like I said, we've only been in one of the last, what, three, four weeks? So, yeah, so we got still got stuff to catch up on. We've got to, we've got reviews to do all over, and we've got numbers to talk about, and we've got, <laughs> the XFL's going to start back up, and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so, one of us, not me, has seen Thor, Love and Thunder, not me, because he just had nothing better to do with his time, apparently, not me, so... Not Me is going to be doing a brief review, apparently a very brief review, of Thor Love and Thunder for the folks at home. So, Chris, you're on the spot. You've seen this thing. You tell him. I have seen this thing. He has seen this thing. I had fun. Mm -hmm. It was okay. It yeah. was it was good. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he caught me off guard. Where did I start? Well, so, uh, yeah, you got Thor, you know, having like a, I guess you would call like a midlife crisis, trying to find himself, where does he belong, and you got his ex, who is, you know, Jane Foster, who gets called Jane Fonda by a few people, even though, you know, just mocking her name, uh, I don't even know where to start with this. It, it's it's a fun action, a uh, lot of lot a lot of comedy, and it is Taika Waititi. Yes, so. it is one Taika. of your favorites. Yes, um, there, it's it's a really good movie. Thor's having a midlife crisis. He's trying to find himself. Um, at the same time, you got. This villain in Gore, who's like the god killer, who I honestly, his story is freaking pretty good because it's like he worships this god and hit the entire race is like wiped out and he's trying to save his daughter. It's just him and his daughter, but the daughter doesn't make it. Finally finds the god and the god's like a total douchebag and he's like, I don't care. So... He decides to take revenge on all gods. And he has the sword of... I forgot what the sword's name is, but it apparently gave him the strength to do so. To kill all the gods, Thor, you know, he's traveling with the Guardians, but the Guardians is not in it all the way. Which is a shame, honestly. And then you have his ex... Jane Foster, who's dying of cancer, the the hammer calls to her. She goes, gets the hammer, and she becomes Lady Thor for a very short while. <laughs> and uh, then it's just Thor and Jane kind of, you know, talking a lot. Because that's always so, much, so exciting when you have them multi-million dollar blockbuster to do is to sit there and yak at each other for hours on it. That is true. So, I mean, I really don't know what else to say without giving too much away. Uh, but, I mean, it was good, but it's not as good as Thor Ragnarok, which was way better. I will admit that. But, it was okay. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't know exactly what else to say other than you know, uh, the humor was great. Maybe a little bit overused humor. But all in all, it, was, it wasn't bad. Not too shabby. No. Mm -hmm. So, all right, Chris, so. It was I mean, a short review. I'm sorry, but I don't know what else to say about it. It, it, it is one of those films. It's, it's taken a lot of criticism that it's basically just a rehash of Ragnarok. But with Jane Foster dying of cancer in it. Sorry, spoilers, but uh, <laughs> I don't. The, I don't. People have not been really been interested in this, like at all. 
to be honest. I've, I've seen, uh, I'm seeing so much talk at it. And the thing is, I don't actually want to see this film. And I said this last week, I, I, Thor is not my thing, but it's almost like, uh, it's almost like they're, they're, I, I sat there and watched Ragnarok and now I have no reason to see another Thor film. So, meh, yeah. I mean, it's it's getting 68% from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes and 79% from the audience. I guess it's not bad. It's not doing bad at the... It's not bad. It's not a bad movie. I mean, and, it, it, but it's not the best movie. It's, 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 it, 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 it scratches the itch if you're a Marvel fan. But, honestly, I think it's more of also because, I don't know, I think some people don't have faith in Phase 4, and I also think that maybe people are actually getting burned out on the superhero stuff. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I guess it's, it's kind of getting to that point where it's like, you know. The sad part about that, though, I think, hmm. But also, as a Marvel fan, I think that where people has been so let down in the last, what, two years now? Because everything, even the TV stuff, has just been kind of, eh. There's no high hopes anymore. No. Because it's, it's the same plot. It's done over and over. They just change the name, change the characters. Again, that's part of that creative bankruptcy that's been holding Hollywood hostage for years now. The, I mean, look back at the films I've really been excited about over the past year or so since the theaters reopened after Kufa Mania. <laughs> they're all remakes. They're all no, they're not even remakes. They're sequels. Mm. They're actual sequels, like Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, Top Gun Maverick, which is a, a, supposedly a sequel but was actually a remake almost, and all these things. I can't even say that the only good things are remakes or sequels because everything is a remake or a sequel now. Yeah. That's 90% of what they're... It seems like that's what they're putting out there. But, uh, like I said, I've seen Ragnarok. I've had my fill of Thor. I would rather see another Guardians of the Galaxy film. To be yeah. honest, the the next superhero film I'm actually waiting to see is Black Adam. Yeah. That's coming up in October, I think. Yeah. And then we have the second Shazam movie coming in December, I believe, for Christmas. And those two, I think, are going to be interesting if they can keep DC sticky fingers out of it. But uh, it, it depends yeah. on who produces it. I mean, we know Black Adam is a labor of love for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We know that uh, Zachary Levi... It, his heart's in the right place, so I think that one that should turn out halfway decent. I mean, they both look promising. I, I, I mean, both properties. But then again, you know, even though just because the rock is attached to something, doesn't necessarily mean the story is going to be great, and the rock is just going to play the rock. Yeah, as he always does. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm hoping. I'm hoping that. I'm really hoping he, he actually takes the character of Black Adam to heart and branches out and actually tries to act in this one. Of course, yeah. he may do it and be lousy at it, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. But anyway, we're getting distracted here real quick. We still need to give Thor a score because yeah. it is Love and Thunder, so he needs to score. So using the, the Geek and Out 1 to 5 index where 5 is Saturday night, 4 is weekend or weekday matinee, Three is wait for it to come out on Blu-ray or DVD. Two, maybe Netflix. One, Pluto TV. Zero, not on a bet. Where would you put Thor Love and Thunder, Chris? I will give it a five. And the only reason why I do give it a five is because it is a fun movie to just go out with your friends or somebody and just have a good laugh and, and things like that. But at the same time, I'm just like, it's also the Saturday night movie that you can go to if got nothing else to do <laughs> so, so so it's 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 better than sitting there getting drunk you're saying yeah, well, yeah okay if you say so 
Thor is... Uh, or go and see this movie drunk. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I would have to do that. I'd get the scissor pretty. Anyway, Thor Love and Thunder has done about $46 million this weekend. So that's down about two-thirds from last weekend. So that's that's kind of steep, especially for a superhero movie. But I, for crying out loud, Top Gun's still in the top five. It's coming. It's yeah. Top Gun made $12 million this weekend. Here's the thing. Okay, I want to be honest, all right? I watched the first Top Gun. I really had no interest in watching the second film. The only reason why I thought about watching it is because everybody keeps talking about it. And mostly because my brother here, he usually hates everything. <laughs> but he says that it's really good. But it is a remake of the first. But it's really good. And to have him say something positive about especially about, about tom cruise yeah it's like well maybe i should go see this movie so it's so I, like right now i'm still thinking this or minions because i really do want to see minions <laughs> <laughs> i mean maverick's now up to 1.2 billion dollars worldwide and thor is at 713 million worldwide so that's nothing to sneeze at right there i know there's a lot of people who are trying to talk this movie down like I said, it's not my my cup of tea. I don't like Thor to begin with. I don't like the concepts behind it. I think what they're doing... I mean, this is part of Marvel Phase 4, where they're... Oh my goodness, it's all about the, the social warriors and stuff. So every, the Force is female and all that other crap. But So we're supposed yeah. to be getting female Thors and female kings and female this and female that. We're supposed to be getting a female Black Panther here shortly. We'll see. <clears throat> but, uh, so you would actually give this a five in spite of the rest of the world saying it ain't. You, uh, yeah, you think I mean, this would be worth spending a Saturday night on? Well, I mean, if you sit there and look at the list of movies that is out right now, Thor is the only one that pops out and slaps you in the face. You know? Just saying. Yeah, that ain't saying. <laughs> it's like... So, I mean, if you had to choose, it's like, oh, at least I know I'll have fun and a few laughs. Just so everybody knows, we are recording this on Sunday, July 17th, 2022. That's why everything, in about a week, all this will be outdated. But anyway, we do have, that does mean 12 days until League of Super Pets. Yes. <laughs> I was so excited about that one. That that is either going to be better than you think or worse, much much worse than you Look, think. Look, the trailers got me. I'm 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 all for it. Speaking of trailers, all right, Chris, you've been wanting to try to make me watch a a movie trailer here. Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Oh yeah, hold on, hold on. You right, have listen, been listen, twisting my arm for the past three days to see this. Listen, okay. For all of you out there who's listening, whoever's listening, listen. If you have seen the Monsters trailer, the Rob Zombie Monsters trailer, you know how bad it is. I've been begging my brother to watch this trailer, hoping that he would hate on it. Well, guess what? He loves it. Spoiler alert. Now, I'm not saying I love it. Now, hold on You there. laughed at it. It was pull, like, this is good. Pull that over to the side of the pretentious turnpike there, pal. Let me explain oh, a little something. Okay. Something. I'm an Adams Family guy, okay? Okay, there's okay. nothing wrong with that. As, uh, shut up. Now, the beloved and I st stood here and watched this trailer with Chris just before we went to record this session. The beloved is a Monsters fan. I am an Adams Family guy, okay? And she wanted to, she wanted to know why I, why I hated on the Monsters so much, and, and I explained. The Adams Family is like a... A fine camembert. It's like an extra sharp cheddar that just bites you back, you know? The Munsters is Cheese Whiz. Although she did have a good point. There is a time and place for Cheese Whiz because I ain't dipping my nacho chips in a camembert. So, having said that, <laughs> Rob Zombie's The Munsters. And what kind of budget did you say this had, Chris? I think they gave it 40 $40 million. Now, we had a discussion last week when it came to 
these studios, Universal Studios, they have a bunch of grips, they have a bunch of cameramen, they have a bunch of production people, this huge crew, what usually counts as crew on a movie, it's the same guy, usually the same guys, most for the most part, for every film they produce because they're on the studio salary. Yes. This way the producer doesn't have to sit here and call all these people together because you're talking about finding like one or two thousand people to work on a movie, and that's how many credits are in a modern movie. It's roughly somewhere between eight and eight hundred and a thousand. You, when you when you use them, these people who work for the studio in a production, the cost of their salary gets applied to your budget. So your movie's budget pays for those salaries. <clears throat> so if Rob Zombie got a forty million dollar budget for this, at least a good. Anywhere between a third and half of it went to cover the cost of all these people involved at the at the studio. Okay, okay. And to use their lots, and to use their uh, prop departments, and to use all their resources and stuff, they have to, the production has to pay the studio for that. Okay, but, 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 but. why does the trailer look like they did it all on a school play stage with probably... Uh, 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 the crew was probably like 20 people working on this movie and those 20 was also half of the cast. <laughs> like, that's what it looked like to me. Alright? It looked like that even the cast members like, okay, we're going to paint this wall and then act as well. So their crew and acting. The whole movie looks like it was done on a stage. Like, it was just horrible green screen uh special effects you could do on a on an old computer like it was i mean it was horrible it was <laughs> horrible it listen sometimes and anybody who knows the mst3k mantra can tell you this things can get so bad it actually circles the planet and comes back around to good okay it's so <laughs> bad. See. It's like birdemic level bad. It's exactly. like Plan 9 from Outer Space bad. It's super bad. It but it's bad. so super <laughs> bad that you can't take your eyes away from it. This uh, is what Mystery Science Theater 3000 is based on. It's what Rift Tracks is based on. They both, those two production companies, actually make livings making fun of these movies. So, and yeah, and they're probably sitting there going like, Finally, something new we can talk about. <laughs> oh, there will always be bad movies, Chris. But, but the thing is, uh, I have <laughs> I have one name I'll throw out there. And I'm not saying he's there. I'm not saying that he's attached to this or anything. Okay. But I'm going to throw one name out there that would completely change your mind. But before I give you that, I will say the Beloved is a Munsters fan. Okay. She's actually looking forward to this because she's also an MST3K fan. Yeah. And she does, she agrees with me. It looks so bad, it's going to be great. So yes. just to sit there and poke fun at it through the whole thing. And I don't know who in the world is playing Grandpa Munster. I can't think of his name right now. I saw it. I don't care. He's the one. He absolutely nails that character, even with the stupid mustache. Yeah, he's wearing a stupid curly mustache in this thing. But he just nails the character of Grandpa. I don't want anything to do with Herman Munster. And, and the, as soon as he said that, I was like, Chris. And anyway. <laughs> the, the thing is, this looks so bad. You want, you, you, it's, it's that traffic wreck syndrome. Okay? Traffic wreck syndrome. It's so horrifying, so terrible, but you just cannot look away. Now, I'm going to throw a name out there, and I want to see your visceral reaction to it. I want your honest reaction. If, and I'm not saying he is, if Rob Zombie managed to get Bruce Campbell in this film. Now, tell me, tell me this. Rob Zombie, we know the movie. We know he remade Halloween. We know he did all these other, what is it? House of a Thousand Corpses or Bride of yeah, a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, yeah. He's done all these schlock horror gore movies and stuff. This is his PG effort. This is the first PG film Rob Zombie's ever made, as far as I'm aware. 
I'm going to ask you this. If he could talk Bruce Campbell into doing it, what is the difference between the cheapy, cheapy stuff like Sam Raimi used to make and this cheapy, cheapy version that Rob Zombie is making? Look, I see what you're saying, but let me tell you something, okay? He already has uh, Mr. Garcia from Lost in this movie. Yeah, Jorge Garcia is a big part here. Elvira is also supposed to make She's an also appearance got a big in this part, movie. Yes. And I can't remember his name, but he does the late night uh, spooky movie thing. Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. That's Fanguli. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's supposed to make an appearance in this movie. And, that, and even though I love them all, I still don't know if I want to watch this movie. The Beloved and I will be going to see this movie when it comes out in September, I believe. If it gets so, close to theater, I don't know. We will see this movie by hook or by crook. We are guaranteed. So, for all of you who are hating on the Munsters movie, Mission Accomplished, you've got two suicide bombers ready to go in. <laughs> so, just looking at the trailer, Chris... The Rob Zombie's The Munsters give a preliminary score based only on the trailer now. Five Saturday night, zero not on a bet. Where would you put it on the on the range? Oh, geekiness. Look, 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 look. When I heard that Rob Zombie was doing The Munsters, I was like, okay, one, yay, they're doing a Munsters movie. Second, I was worried because Rob Zombie does his gory horror type of films. So I was like, is that what he's going to do with this? He's going to turn it into a horror movie? I didn't want that. But now I wish he did. <laughs> I'm giving this a zero. Not on a bit. I'm giving this a five because by golly, the beloved and I are going to be there. We're, <laughs> we are, we have, we are going to be at the 10th Frame Cinema the Saturday mm. That this comes out, and we are going to be sitting down with popcorn. We're going to have the junior mints. We're going to have the, the the drinks and everything, and we are just going to sit there. We are going to camp through the whole movie. Okay, 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 okay. And you are not invited. No, 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 no. You know what, Mister Sassy Pants? I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> I'll go because maybe you're right. Maybe just sitting down. Laughing at how horrible this movie is would probably be the best time of my there's life. A, which there's, is so a time, there's a time and a place for everything, Christopher. It's either this or watching Return of the Swamp Thing on Rift Tracks. I'm probably going to do both. So, we'll uh. see. But speaking of trailers, supposedly a trailer has just leaked from uh, Star Wars Celebration, which, frankly, most people aren't paying attention to because... Everybody's giving up on Star Wars, except, gasp, the Baby Yoda show. A trailer for Mandalorian Season the 3 broke loose. The only one that matters left in Star Wars. We're seeing sightings of Boba Fett in this thing. We're seeing sightings, of course, Baby Yoda's there, the Mandalorian's there. We're seeing all kinds of Imperial stuff. We're seeing Brother Man in there. We're seeing all this stuff going on. Callbacks to previous seasons. Still no Gina Carano. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But hey, but hey, that's not exactly their fault. That's Disney's fault. But, so uh, you've seen, you and I just saw this a little while back, just a, a few minutes ago before we started recording. Your initial feelings on Mandalorian Season 3. What, what, what you saw... I mean, we just saw it once. We just got a quick run through. It was like two minutes long. Does it get you excited to see Mandalorian Season 3? I mean, I was already excited to see Mandalorian Season 3 because Mandalorian seems to be the only one that is doing the right stuff. So, I was already in. Uh, seeing the trailer, I got to admit, I don't know where I'm still trying to wake up or... The fact that the camera use was really, really horrible. I it didn't really like make me pumped for anything. Uh because it was a leaked trailer and somebody was just using their phone to film it. But I was already in. Like I I, I was good. So 
I think I'm in the same shape you're in. This is the this would be about the only reason. Honestly, I have not looked at anything on Disney Plus since Moon Knight premiered. Same. So, Disney Plus, you're doing a really bad job of giving us a reason to stick around. I don't. I know. mean, and and the worst part is they've got all the classic Disney cartoons and stuff on there. I don't even go back for that. I know. I've been finding myself doing the same thing, and I don't know why. Like it's like there's so much there. There's so much there to watch, but at the same time, I'm just like, eh, I can watch this later. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you're right. The last thing I watched was uh, Moon Knight. Well, I take that back. I watched th three episodes of Miss Marvel. Really? Yeah. You made it through all. Th you made it through three episodes. There. Yeah. I didn't think there was anybody still watching that. Uh, but. The thing is, is that Miss Marvel had nothing for me to just. I mean, I appreciate the different cultures that you know, and and that culture really like, you know, going like, thank you for representing this and all that stuff. I I understand that. And I mean, totally, you know, good. But when I go into this, I always look at story, and to me, the story is just eh. So, so far, I have not watched, I haven't watched it for like a month. So, I don't know what's going on on there. Really don't care either. So, yeah. Okay, so, let's do our scale of five to nothing, I guess. Um, on our five scale for streaming, it goes like this. Oh, we know it's just for, for streaming. streaming or yeah, we're just doing for streaming for the Mandalorian 3. Uh, with five being, it's worth buying on physical media, like Blu-ray and DVD. Four, you would buy a subscription just for this. Three, you would borrow somebody else's credentials so you could watch it. Two, you would watch it for free if it was ad-supported. One, if it was on a Pluto TV live channel. And zero, you would rather play outside. What would we give The Mandalorian Season 3, just based on this one trailer? Well, geez, if those are the options, pretty much every single one. <laughs> so you'd go with five. I mean, it's it's Mandalorian, though. It, it Mandalorian did something. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I know, I know, I know, it, Baby Yoda. But it, there was something else about it. Like, it was an, an adventure. It was a different story being told. It was, I don't know. Like, it was, it's, it's an amazing show. I'll tell you the difference between The Mandalorian and every other Star Wars thing that's turned up on Disney+, Plus, and even in theaters for that matter, for the past 15, 20 years. It respects the source material. Yeah. yeah. The Mandalorian is the only one out of everything that's happened since Disney yeah. bought Star Wars. It's the only Star Wars project that treats Star Wars with respect. And that's, that's why the fans that's respond. That's so, true. Mm-hmm. So you'd give it a five, and believe it or not, I would actually, well, I would give it a four. I would probably buy a sub for it, but oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to own this on physical media to put to take up space in my library, but I mean, I, 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 would, I would buy a Disney Plus subscription for a month to see season yeah, three I of mean, Mandalorian. Totally a four, but I want to be honest, if I was out at the store and it was on DVD or Blu-ray, I'd be like, yeah. So he gives it a five. I'll grab it and just like. So yeah. Mandalorian season three. Chris gives it a five. I give it a four. So moving on. So we've got one more review to do. Yes. Okay. And, and you know and we've got a dis we've got a discussion we need to talk about. Yeah. This is uh, this is actually my review. I just yesterday received a copy of the graphic novel A Thin Blue Line by Mike Barron. Now you can. You too can find a copy of this at Mike Barron, M-I-K-E-B-A-R-O-N dot substack dot com. You'll find the link for him over there. This is his first crowdfunded project that I'm aware of. I found out about this, believe it or not, not from comic book sources, but from political news sources. I found out about this on the Gateway Pundit, and Fox News has talked this up. The Thin Blue Line is Mike Barron's graphic novel response to the summer of love that BLM has been holding for the last two years, BLM and Antifa. This is essentially a, a conservative comic book, okay? Now, 
If you're going in and you're looking for superheroes, you're going to be disappointed. If you're going in and you're looking for intricate plots and, and well-timed out, and you're looking for all the little tricks and bells and whistles you get from like DC or Marvel and, and their better efforts, if you're looking for the Watchmen, you're not going to see it here. Okay. If you're looking for Winter Soldier, you're not going to see it here. Uh, if you're looking for Love and Rockets, for that matter, for those few of you who get the reference, you're not going to get it here, although you're getting closer. But if you are a conservative or a Republican or you support the police or you, you're just upset that BLM Antifa keep getting away with stuff, this, film, this graphic novel might be right for you. Let me explain what this is. The Thin Blue Line is based in a fictional uh, town in Illinois, and it centers around a female cop. And she, she works for the police department here, and the, uh, the local agitator groups are out demonstrating in this town. town's roughly mid-sized, probably about the size of, uh, probably about Lexington, Kentucky, maybe. A smaller town, somewhere around like 100, 200,000 people, okay? So there's like 400 cops on this department. They're having to deal with a couple of thousand protesters because some cop did something they didn't like or they just don't like cops. They, they want the cops defunded. They want something to be done. The mayor is a wimp. He's, he's, got, a, he's got a spine like a jellyfish. He sells out to them, but the cops have to step in because the agitators are, are wanting to rip him apart. The cops manage to salvage him. And, and the whole thing just goes from there. Mike Barron is known for creating Nexus, which was a, a science fiction book back in 80s. I think 80s for first comics. So he, he goes back a long way. He's done work on... I'm trying to think. I think he's done work on like Daredevil and Batman and several other books. He's been he's been involved in quite a bit. Um, the plotting, uh, like I said, this is not necessarily a story as much as it's a visceral reaction. This is Mike Barron's take that to BLM and Antifa and to their supporters, and to the people who keep dropping off pellets of bricks in their love fest zones. This is for the Fox News crowd. This is for the Gateway Pundit crowd. This is for the uh, Rand Paul crowd. This is especially for the Ron Paul crowd. So if you're politically agitated, let's say, you'll enjoy this book. I think you'll enjoy this book. If you are anybody else, especially if you're not on the right-hand side of the, of the political ledger, you are going to despise this book. The art is passable. Okay? It's, it's not, we're not talking about Ethan Van Skyver doing, doing like Green Lantern or The Flash or anything that level. You can tell the, the art is competent. It's laid out, but it's not high standard, we'll say. That's not to say that this is the artist's crap by any stretch of the imagination, but it's average. So the writing is average. The plot is a little sub-average. The, the art is average. But this was a crowd-funded book, okay? Nobody wanted to touch this book. This was a radioactive book, okay? None of the, none of the publishers wanted to touch it. He finally had to go, I believe he actually wound up on uh, Kickstarter to try to get this off the ground. I wound up becoming a supporter of it, and I think he actually went off of Kickstarter. I can't remember where he went. He went to a different one. But I wound up providing financial support for this graphic novel, and half of it went to produce the the book the other half went to various police charities yes I'm one of those so the crowdfunding is something new I think this is Mike Barron's first first sticking his toe into crowdfunded comic books but I think this is I think historically this is going to go down as part of a movement not necessarily a political movement 
but you're starting to see the comic book industry change, okay? And we'll talk about that here in a minute because I still need to talk about Eric July and the Ripaverse. We'll talk about that in a second. It has nothing to do with Kelly Ripa. As far as the book goes, looking at the at the five at the five step geeking out rank fest, five would be slabbed, four would be bagged, three would be on the bookshelf, two in the comic box, one in a footlocker, and zero in a litter box. I would probably give this one a three, maybe a two and a half, because this this is not going to be a collector's issue. You 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 buy this because you want to support somebody who's trying to make a statement. So this is a statement book, and for for a statement book, yeah, probably about a three. If I were to trip across this in say a comic book shop, uh, if I might buy it just because I recognize the concept, but I might not if I sat down and actually read the book first. So I, if, if I were to read your copy of this, that would be enough for me. I wouldn't go out and buy it. But if I just saw it flat out in the, in the wild, I'd probably get it. So give it a three for me for the thin blue line. So there's the review of that, which we don't really get to review comic books as much anymore because... Ever since the shop went down, then, <laughs> yeah. but we miss you, dude. Anyway, Scott, come back. We miss you, Scott. We do need to discuss something related here, and this is one of those rare episodes we have where we actually have one thing leading into another. This is rather unusual for us because we just barrel through like bull china shop <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> but there, there is a another crowdsourced uh, book coming out. There's a guy named Eric July. Okay, he's, this is a brother man who's with some history. He's, he's been in the music industry. He's been a rapper. He started getting into, when he was a rapper, he started doing videos about geeky stuff like we did. And then, we were never rappers, but we've, eh, maybe candy rappers. But we, uh, we went into, uh, he then went into uh, politics eventually because it's a podcast online. It's eventually going to turn into politics. So he winds up going into politics and he said, he's been saying something for a while that I've been saying for a while. We've kind of been mirroring each other and, we, and I didn't even know about this guy until I tripped over him a little while back. He's been saying that black creators are leaning on skin color as a crutch when they tell stories. He despises the concept of race lifts. He does not want to see, for example, Batman being recast as a black man now. He considers that lazy storytelling. He doesn't like the idea of characters suddenly turning female. He doesn't like the idea of trans characters. He considers it, like I do, stunt casting. Because there's no substance there to back it up. You're being too lazy to create an interesting new character on its own, and it's black. So, what Eric July does, he, he's known online as uh, Young Rippa, I believe. He's got, uh, he's part of the, the Comicsgate universe. So, he hangs out with guys like Yellow Flash and Nerd Roddick, and Chris's eyes are glazing over. I don't know how many of these names he actually knows, but... <laughs> And Ethan Van Skyver. So, Ethan Van Skyver's been involved in crowdfunding for a while, ever since he got thrown out by the social warriors at DC. His big thing is Cyber Frog. He, he publishes under what's called All Caps Comics. So what Ripa, what Eric July is doing, he's created something called Ripaverse. This is a crowdfunded site. But it's not going through Kickstarter or Indiegogo or GoFundMe or any of these other crowdfunding sites because all those sites have a long history of rejecting people who don't agree with their politics. They will end their campaigns at a, at a moment's notice, as soon as the wrong person notices, and throw them off and then forbid them from ever coming back on. So what Ripa has done is he has started his own crowdfunding on his own website. 
His very first book is called ISOM, I-S-O-M. First issue will be coming out in August. Okay, It's going to be 96 pages. It's a graphic novel. Basically, it's about a guy who becomes a superhero. He gets powers. So he decides he's going to be a superhero in the city he's from. And he quickly finds out this superhero stuff is not what he really wants to do. So he retires, but he manages to get like a, a ranch somewhere, so he becomes a rancher. And he's he just lives his life as a rancher, and he's quite happy. still has his powers, but he that superhero stuff is not for him. So he's trying to live his own life. His sister is still back at the city he comes from. She gets in trouble, and she needs help, and she calls him for help. So he has to put the long johns back on and go back into action as Isom again. And that's what this this uh, entire first graphic novel is about. Never once is it mentioned that Isom is black. Isom, the character himself, doesn't mention, doesn't talk about how hard it is being a black man. His sister doesn't talk about how hard it is being a black woman. They don't talk about how the the whole system is set up against them or anything. This is a man who wanted to be a rancher instead of a superhero being pulled back into the life to help his sister who desperately needs help. In other words, it's being, cre it's being written like they were actual human beings. Okay? There's no preaching here. There's no, no climbing on the soapbox or anything. In other words, it, is a, it looks like it's an interesting plot with interesting characters that may actually get some development and this is a guy who actually knows how to create content. He's done it in the past, but now he's doing it for himself. Okay, So, the only way you can actually get your hands on a copy of this is to go to Ripaverse.com. R-I-P-P-A-V-E-R-S-E.com. Ripaverse.com. You go over there and you look for the support button and you'll see a list. There's like two or three different covers you can choose from. It's $35 for this 96 page book. And then when you when you place your order for it, there's there's no crowd, there's no waiting for things, okay? He's this guy, Eric July has already written the story. The artwork is complete. The books are printed. Everything's assembled. They're waiting at a warehouse. He's now been able to he's raised enough money of this that as of right, the last time I checked this morning, he had raised over two and a quarter million dollars for, for this one book. So now he can afford to buy a box truck and a driver to, to actually deliver these things. So they're going to go out to comic shops and stuff. They're going to hit the, they're going to hit uh, UPS here shortly and the postal service and they're going to be mailed out here in August. And the, and a lot of these guys who have been working for DC and Marvel and still are, are furious because he's gone around them. He's done a complete end run around the entire system. All these guys who wanted nothing to do with the Ripaverse or Isom or Eric July or any of this stuff, he did it all without their help and without them even knowing about it. And here's the funny thing. Two and a quarter million dollars he's raised in two weeks. There's still two months left in this campaign. And everybody's waiting to see just how much money is he going to get from this one book. Because he's already, like I said, he's already spent the money to get it produced and put together. And they're just waiting to ship. He wants to see how much support he's going to generate. This is a paradigm shift for the ages. This is history making because nobody, nobody has generated numbers quite like this completely outside of the existing system. He rolled his own and he's making it his own. So guess what? No sharing with a bunch of guys who don't like him. He doesn't have to share with uh, Kickstarter who doesn't like conservative creators, and he's a conservative creator. Uh, he doesn't have to sit there and, and deal with a bunch of people who are like, well, you need more representation here and there. No, he's paying the salaries. He picks who works for him.
He's already got all this done. So it's already been paid for out of his own back pocket. All this money is his and his creators, his artists and everybody else involved that get residuals off of it. He decide, He's doing it by his own rules. And for that, good man. And most of all, he, because he does it his own way, he doesn't have to worry about dealing with some other editor. He owns all of this. And whether it's good or bad, it's his fault. So, so that is coming here shortly. And just wanted to give you guys the heads up and let you know that it is on its way. Uh, Chris is off having to, having a session right now. We're, we're up to the news-ish part, but we're already 45 minutes into our podcast. So let's go ahead and, since Chris is preoccupied, let's go ahead and let's start. Do want to make a public service announcement real quick. There is a new hotline out there. You've heard of 911 for uh, emergencies. Of course, for white people, it's 912. But uh, there's a new one called 988. This is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Just went live yesterday, July 16th. And so you can call it. You can text it. You can... Yeah. Before, before this, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline was an 800 number, and you had to remember what the number was. This way, it's 988. It's a three-digit number. Boom, you can remember it. Y'all retain this because depression is a very common yeah. thing. Suicide, fortunately, not as bad, but it's getting worse, and it's going to get worse with economic conditions as it is, with all the anger and hate in the world and stuff. Yeah. Chris, um, go ahead. What else you had to say? It about is. It? It's. Uh, this is like probably like the biggest thing that Congress has pretty much greenlit it and was like actually did right. I guess you could say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if it's uh, you can if you don't want to see somebody in person or talk to them on the phone, you can. There's chat. There's uh, uh, FaceTime. There's all all kinds of things that you can do. And also, they're providing uh, languages as well. So it's like they actually have somebody who is like, you know, Latino, but you know, just like somebody all who can speak Spanish. Yeah. So whoever you are, if you need help, you can actually call this number, and somebody will be there to talk to you. So it's it's a big thing, and I I'm all for it because yeah, uh, you know, suicide is no joke. Uh, depression is no joke. It's out there, and it is getting worse because of people paying too much attention to what's going on on the news. And let's face it, that's all they do is show you bad stuff. You know, so yeah, it's it's. So there's a new resource out there. If you know somebody who needs help like this, I mean the the warning signs aren't always there, but. If, if somebody's kind of making you nervous in this way that maybe they're contemplating suicide or something like that, remember 988 is out there. You don't have to make them call. You make the call. And then they can get in touch with the people who, then the resources who can intercede. And you may be able to save a life this way. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, that's, that's So we've done our good deed for the day. Now let's go back to doing bad deeds, shall we? What else we got in the news today, Chris? All right, let me run through this because, as I said, it's not really that much. That's fine. we got about ten minutes here. Do you remember a movie called The River Wild? Vaguely. It has nothing to do with the wild thornberries, right? No. I love this movie. It had Meryl Streep, Kevin Bacon, uh, just a a family on vacation, whitewater rafting down and... They run into people that were stranded, so they decide to help them. And those people that were stranded are apparently bank robbers that escaped. Yay! And it's it's a really good movie. I loved it. But apparently they are remaking it. Hmm. And I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> so, eh, yeah, that's happening. Okay. What else you got? Um... The Cannes Film Festival. Cannes. Cannes, whatever. Not Chai Chai Rodriguez. Surprisingly. <laughs> surprisingly. Surprisingly for Cannes, yes. Has done a movie recently with Kevin Spacey and fired him because of the sexual assault charges 
from back then. And it's like, where have you been? <laughs> like, like, you hired him and not know what's going on? Welcome and, to 2018, like, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, Keanu Reeves, who apparently does the voice for Batman and the... Uh, was it Wonder Pets? Super Pets? Something like that, Super yeah. Pets, I think. Uh, said he would love to play the uh, live-action Batman in a movie. And the <laughs> nah, way... The, the, the world's just too wicked for something I mean, that awesome. That is true, but, I mean, DC, since you keep changing people, and you love to do that, <laughs> you got a great now, opportunity right here. Hold on. If we get Keanu Reeves as Batman... We have to cast Alex Winter as somewhere, and Robin's not allowed. Who do we cast Alex Winter as? Which villain? He could, he's not good enough to be the Joker. He looks just like the old Riddler. That's what I was. That's what initially popped in my head. He looks just like the old actor that plays the Riddler. He, <laughs> could, he could. He could actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I actually I was I was kind of a toss up, either the Riddler or Clayface. So. Well, Clayface can be anybody. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else you got, Chris? Uh, Anthony Starr, he plays Homelander on The Boys. Uh, he yeah. is reportedly will be playing Dracula in the Marvel's Blade movie. Mm, that meant absolutely nothing to me until you said Blade. You know, I have not seen a single one of the Blade movies. What? And, the, and, and those Blade movies were what put, uh, what's his face on the map? <laughs> I can't think of his name right now. But, uh. Yeah, that was back when, when nobody knew Blade was Marvel. Blade was an awesome movie. And, and Blade <laughs> was awesome. Well, the thing is, too, it's, it like I said, not my cup of tea, but Marvel didn't mean anything at the theaters at the time. It, yeah. it actually came and went, and nobody knew it was a Marvel movie until after it had become made like several million dollars, and then all of a sudden, did you know it was based on Marvel? Gasp, but yeah, it was one of those things like when Deadpool came out, everybody's like, Deadpool's the first R rated movie, and everybody's like, No, no, <laughs> Blade, Blade was the first R rated movie, but <laughs> like, what are you doing? This is the first one for Marvel Studios explicitly, yes, yeah. but man, so, yeah, what else we got? Uh, apparently, there is uh, people are saying, well, Kevin Feige has talked about. But apparently the next big uh, baddie in the Marvel films will be Doctor Doom. And there is a Finally. chance that Doctor Doom may find himself, and I'm guessing it's going to be like an end credit scene, uh, might be in Black Panther 2. I could see that because Doctor Doom is, Doctor Doom is one of those over-the-top characters, one of those over-the-top villains. He is a tyrant in charge of an entire nation. And honestly, hold on. If you think about it, he really is the anti-Black Panther. Because he's got all this technology. He's got all, all this mysticism and history behind him. He's got all this, all this stuff going for him. He is beyond human, but he is he's a dictator as opposed... He is a malevolent dictator as opposed to a benevolent dictator. Because I was about to go a different direction, but no. Black Panther was a benevolent dictator, but he was still a dictator. Hmm. Oh, so, oh, oh. But, so do you think he's going to be Doctor Doom in this movie? Or do you think he's going to be before he becomes, you know, Doctor Doom? I believe he'll like be Doctor Doom like leading up to this because I don't think... You got to understand how many Fantastic Four movies have there been? I mean, they've all sucked, and they all talk about Doctor Doom's origin because they just couldn't get off the pot. I don't think this would be about Doctor Doom's origin. At least I hope it's not. It should be Doctor Doom is this guy who's like maybe a thousand miles away and decides, you know, that vibranium stuff looks pretty sexy. I'd like to have an armor made of it. <laughs> I mean, sure. it, I mean, hey, Captain America got a shield. I can, get, I deserve an entire suit of armor made of vibranium, which would make him pretty much unstoppable. So yes, there's plenty of reason to just jump into that one. So I'm hoping they'll avoid the, they'll avoid the uh, secret origin route, 
they they did kind of do that with Black Panther a little bit, but uh, they had they wound up doing origins for everybody else. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We'll, see. we'll see. Um, so there's this acute movie coming out called Marcel the Shell. It, it's it it it. I honestly, it's it's about a little shell. It's it's literally about a little shell that walks around, talks. It's cute. Apparently, it used to be like this. I don't know if it was a YouTube thing or whatever, but they turned it into a movie, or like what. But it's it's really cute. I'm actually interested in watching it. But the director of it is apparently in talks to remake. A live-action Lilo and Stitch movie. There it is, because heaven knows we need to... We absolutely need to have more live-action remakes of Disney cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I see it. I don't care. Okay. Yeah. All right, last... Uh, <laughs> Took care of that one. Uh, I love Lilo and Stitch, so it's like yeah. man, <laughs> it, it was one of those. It was one of those mid card movies to me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to butcher this name, and this story I also was a butcher. Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, yeah, Daniel. Uh, he has <laughs> been in uh, Black Panther. He was in, I think, Get Out, and he's going to be in the new movie. Nope. Mm -hmm. um, he has confirmed that he will be in a dark Barney movie Barney the Dinosaur Daniel Kaluuya Kaluuya <sighs> I, I don't know if this is one of those did Barney lose the rights like is this like a is you know, kind of like what they did with Winnie the Pooh. I'm sorry, I was yawning too loud. What? They're remaking Barney with as a Jurassic Barney. I guess. I don't now, know. if I could watch a bunch of raptors take on Barney, I would watch that. But I have the feeling Barney would cheat. So, and let's be honest, the raptors are not what they used to be. So. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's something. And that's all I got. Okay, so that's all you got. Let me do one more quick news story before we head out. The XFL. <laughs> Take three. Remember the XFL? That was Vince McMahon's brilliant idea. Oh. Yeah. He tried it first back around 2000 or so, and, boy, it just didn't work out very well. And then he tried to bring it back in 2019 and 2020, and it just didn't do very well because, you know, poof of mania. So The Rock bought it. Dwayne The Rock Johnson bought the entire league for a song. He's got a deal with ABC, ESPN, and FX to air XFL games. Don't know when, don't know where, but apparently this next Sunday, July 24th, they're going to reveal... What, where the teams will be located and what their names are going to be and what venues they'll be playing in and stuff. The current rumored list of the cities for the XFL will be Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Las Vegas, St. Louis, Orlando, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. All huge football markets, to be sure. But I mean, at least Dallas and Houston have, and D.C., and Vegas and St. Louis, for that matter, and Seattle. So, yeah, I guess you could say they're, they're football towns, but mm, I don't know if I don't know how this is going to turn out. But it is oh. like it is like watching a train wreck every single time. Dude, right? you know it's going to be big. You know it's going to be huge, and do you know why? Because it's the Rock, and because it's football. Now this. It does say it starts up in February of 2023, so this will be right after the Super Bowl, and they'll start doing XFL games for another 10 weeks. I mean, I'm not a football person, but let's face it, like, even though The Rock is, is an alright dude, and I do enjoy most of his movies, if he tells you to look right, you look right. Seriously. 
It's like it's like if you put a rock on anything, it sells because it's the rock. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, it's like it doesn't even have to be awesome. It's just like, oh well, the rock did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, if on that note, let's let's get the extreme out of here. You got any last words to pass along, Chris? Don't forget suicide hotline. Uh, 988. And if you listen to too many of our podcasts, you'll probably need that number. So until next time, I'm Spike. I'm Chris. And we were, and I guess still are, kind of. Kick it out. Yeah. That was a damn shame. What? Ta, y'all.